Welcome to All Things Vegas, nourishing self-care for the helping professional. During our time together, we will explore a wide variety of topics relating to self-care, all especially geared to the helping professional. Our guests are all thought leaders and cutting-edge providers in their respective fields of endeavor. They will offer not only helpful insights, but practical skills that you can begin to use immediately. The founder and executive director of Red Willow Learning Center and its sister organization, Laying Groundwork, Kathy Mangan is all about maximizing human potential. She is dedicated to whole mind-body-spirit health and focuses on offering both thought-provoking and practical ideas to help her workshop participants, personal coaching clients, and mastermind groups best grow their own individual potential. If you're interested in more information about Kathy and if you want her contact information, please check the show notes. Hey, well, good morning or afternoon or evening or whatever time it is when you're listening to this. My name's Kathy, and I generally am the host of All Things Vegas, but today we're switching it up a little bit and we're turning the microphone and the guest project to me. What I wanted to really touch on today is something that I think is like super important when it comes to the realm of health and, and especially in self-care, because this is actually this realm of what I refer to as stinking thinking is something that we absolutely can do for ourselves on our own behalf. One of the things that we have to recognize is that we all have thought patterns that are not really very helpful and that we sometimes fall into these categories of unhelpful thought patterns really pretty naturally and we tend to have some that are our go-tos. And so what I wanted to do today is to talk a little bit about some of those I'm going to pick I'm picking three of my favorites these are the ones that I'm really good at so you'll know perhaps a little bit more about me than you maybe want to know but we'll just open up that door and just walk right in but we're going to talk about the three of these really pretty common thought patterns the ones that are just not really very helpful and then we're going to talk about how do you challenge these how do you once you recognize these thought patterns what do you do with it how do you challenge them and then i'm going to end with a suggestion for a practice that helps us disengage or give us some options in terms of how we start making some choices about what we focus our thoughts on, what we engage with, and maybe what we decide not to. Many times we feel because our stinking thinking thought patterns are really automatic. They've been programmed in. We've been doing many of these things for decades. And so this idea of challenging them and then learning that we actually do have some options about what we spend our time thinking about, what thoughts we engage in becomes a really important practice. I'm going to start today with this idea of what are called, and these are, this is something that you can easily find more about online. This is a pretty common way of looking at thought patterns, but there are quite a few, and we're just going to pick three. One of the ones that I am really good at is this whole idea of mind reading. This is the idea we think we know what somebody else is thinking. 
this idea, we have an interaction with somebody, there is a response on the part of that person, and we immediately interpret what we think that response is. And we, of course, don't really know what that person might be really thinking, but we have an idea based on our own perceptions, our own filters, and our own ideas about what we would expect someone, how we would expect someone to respond. So this sets us up, of course, for problems because a lot of times we're wrong. Sometimes we might read the situation correctly, that's always possible, but many, many, many times we just really miss the boat, we miss the mark on being able to get some clarity about what somebody else might be thinking about something. And you may have actually had the experience of actually having somebody say to you, oh no, that's not what I was thinking at all. It's really important to recognize we all do this kind of thing and that it's really important to recognize you may have an impression, but it's not always right. So you might wanna like ask before you go off to the races on something. One of my other favorites is personalization. And this is when everything becomes your responsibility. Something happens and it's somehow your responsibility that happened to begin with, or it's your job to fix it. And again, a lot of these, and keep in mind, a lot of these are interconnected. So you can begin to see if I'm mind reading, I might also have some kind of an idea about what somebody else thinks about my responsibility for something. So a lot of these are really interconnected and interwoven together. So the idea here is when you start to recognize you have this kind of immediate knee-jerk responses of this is my fault, this is my thing to fix, this is my thing to make right, whatever it is for you, whatever it is for you. And it can go the other way too. You get to claim all the credit for something that maybe isn't all your credit. So it can be on either end of that spectrum. And then the other one that I'm really, really excellent at is really related to these other two is this idea of filtering. And I've got to say, I think a lot of us do this to some degree, which is why I really wanted to touch on this one. We're going to spend a little bit more time on it. So filtering is when we are able through our focus is to only find things that support what we already believe. I had, a, I had an instructor in a class years ago that used the example of a, a young woman who had a belief system that men are jerks. All men are jerks, all of them, every single one of them, because that was her lived experience. If you put this person in a room with 100 guys and 99 of them are the nicest guys on the planet, she will find the jerk because that's what she's looking for. She's looking for something that proves her belief systems are correct. And this is really, really common. We do it in a lot of ways that maybe seem kind of insidious. For example, if I decide 10 cups of coffee a day is not harmful, I'm gonna find all of the research out there that supports that belief. So we can start to recognize, basically you can find something to support whatever you believe somewhere. If you find yourself really focused in on it needs to be this way, this is what I believe, and in order for me to feel comfortable with myself and confident in my own thinking processes, I've got to have something that supports this, then you might want to take a look at this idea that you might be filtering. It's something we do all the time. Those three things, as you can see, are really interconnected and 
support one another. If we are recognizing that we are taking things personally. So this idea, for example, of coffee, 10 cups of coffee being good for me is really, that somehow is part of my identity and who I believe I am is this person. Then that becomes a way that I need to find evidence that makes me okay. I mean, that's literally what we're doing in a really simplistic way. The mind reading thing, it's being able to find evidence in other people that we're okay or that we're not okay. And then so that we have some kind of a heads up, so to speak, so that we can respond in a way that keeps us safe. And then the whole idea of personalization is either taking, again, no responsibility for anything or too much responsibility for things that are really not your job. As I like to think about it is these things are just above my pay grade. It's not something that I can really actively, personally do anything about. So those are the the kinds of things I think a lot of us do. And when these things are in place, and part of the reason I'm really focusing on this topic today is is these kinds of mindsets, these kinds of belief systems, these kinds of perceptions that we view the world through really create a lot of divisiveness, which is not helpful for anybody. These are things that keep us from being our best, and they certainly negatively influence the relationships that we have with other people. So what do we do with these? We all got them, right? One version or another. So what do we do with them? And one of the things I think that is really important is first of all, get really good at recognizing them. Just notice when you start to feel uncomfortable, when you feel challenged, when you know, you're just kind of like, huh, this doesn't feel great, whatever the situation is. Begin to notice what your first response is. What is your first response? You might notice a lot of us would feel a physical sensation first. We might feel disrupted in our belly, for example. We might feel our chest get tight. We might feel just some kind of tension someplace in our body. And right on the heels of that is generally some kind of response that would fall into one of these thought trap patterns. We're really good at this stuff. So the key is to recognize that we have them, understand what the sensation in the body is when we start to have that experience, and then actually say, oh, here's this thing, right? There is a really slick way to start to challenge these stinking thinking patterns. The first one is to actually, because we've made this personal, we've made this event, this circumstance personal to us, so the first thing we wanna do is actually separate ourselves from whatever it is that's happened are happening. And this can be difficult, but one of the ways that we can do it and one of the things that helps make it a little easier, I always think of the dragnet guy saying, well, just the facts, ma'am. So what are the facts of this situation? What's the event? What actually happened without your interpretation, without the sensate, without the emotions or any of the color that you might add to this, what are just the black and white facts? What actually happened without any interpretation? And then once we understand that, then we can take a look at what was our emotional response to this? And sometimes it helps to put it on a scale of like one to 10, 10 being like I am off to the races and zero being or one being like very little emotional response. So just gauge, what upheaval did this create for you? Just get a sense of that. And 
I'm gonna also just say, when you are doing this rating thing, rating your emotional charge around whatever, we wanna avoid being judgmental about whatever number comes up. This is not good or bad. This is just giving you a sense of where you are. It gives you a place to start. It gives you a sense of the strength of this, which helps us understand why some of these things can be so difficult to break the habit of. That's all we're really doing. This is not labeling you as bad or faulty or broken or any of the other interpretations you might have about this. Then, once you have set all of that aside and done your rating, then identify the thought. What is the thought? This always happens to me. I should have known, fill in the blank, whatever this is. Identify that thought. And then, what's the thinking trap? What category does it go in? Is it a mind reading thing? Is it a filtering thing? Is it did I make it personal? So what, did, what trap did you fall into? Where do you find yourself snagged or hung up? Once you get all of that done, then you are in a place where you can start to challenge the trap. This is where the actual evidence comes in. We come back to this and say, this is what I'm thinking. This is my emotional response to this. Is this actually true? Is there any factual evidence in this event that supports this? Or this is just my pattern of thinking. This is just a habit of how I respond in these kinds of situations. Once you get that figured out, once you and, and I will say that most of the time you're gonna find that these are just a thought trap. These are just, this is just a habit of thinking. This is just what you do. And so once you've identified that, here's where the kind of the, the fun part can be. And this is like, okay, so given that this is just a habit of thought and this is the pathway that I always tend to go down, then the next question is, what's a different pathway that I might go down with this? How might I think about this? How might I respond to this? That would be different than what I always do. And that, of course, is based on this idea that the evidence, the actual hard, just the facts, ma'am, part doesn't really support the thinking trap. That's not what the facts are telling you. The facts are telling you something else. So based on what the facts are actually telling you, what could I think about this situation? What would be a different response that I could begin to learn to replace this thought pattern with? And this is not a one and done process, by the way. You're gonna do it over and over and over and over and over again. The other thing I always like to say with the people that I'm working with around these ideas is that I always like to say they give extra credit for an action item. There is something really motivating and satisfying about actually having something you do. There is a different pattern of thought. Is there an action that goes with that? Whatever it happens to be. It might be, for example, actually following through with a defining question or a clarifying question. What's the action that you would do to help yourself break this habit? Do you need to apologize to somebody? What is the action that you can do that helps to kind of cement this in? Because that's really helpful to the nervous system to have some kind of an action or a follow-up. And then once you get all of this done, you can go back and check how's my emotional state now? Because of course that's fueling, that's throwing kind of gas on the fire. We wanna go back and check to see where's my emotional state now? If it was a, an eight before, where is it now? 
Is it a one or a two? Is it still up there? Just where is it? And not doing this from a judgmental place, but really recognizing that we are practicing creating different patterns of thought and this takes time, this takes energy, this takes effort, it's uncomfortable, it's not very fun usually, and what we are also doing is helping to mitigate the emotional response that comes along with these patterns that have been maybe so typical and so common for you, you maybe don't even notice it. Those things are really pretty accessible for most people to be able to drop into the space. I mean, you may need to take a few breaths before you drop into the space of separating yourself from your thought trap, your stinking thinking trap. But it's pretty accessible. And honestly, people, other people, so coaches and therapists and people in that realm can coach you through these processes, but really it's something that you have to do for yourself. I kind of look at this as being the ultimate self-care thing, because really nobody can do it for you. We can ask you questions and we can make observations and comments, but we really cannot do this work. You have to reprogram your own brain. What I want to go to is this idea of how can we create a practice that allows us to begin to not just challenge these thought traps when they are live in person in a given situation, but what can we start to do to create the ability to be able to observe our thoughts and make some conscious choice about, yeah, no, I'm not going down that road. Or yes, this is a thought that I want to engage with. One of my very, very favorite practices, and I'm just going to talk about the basics of it, but this is out of the mindfulness tradition, and it is called Thoughts as Mental Events. And this is really literally a practice of settling into observing your thoughts in a way that, of course, in the mindfulness tradition, we're not judging the thought, we're not judging ourselves, we're noticing without an intention or an attempt to change anything. So we're just seeing what shows up here. So the idea with thoughts as mental events is to take yourself out of the direct experience of the thought and allow you to just observe it from a neutral place. And then you get to notice how thoughts come and go. I think it's important to recognize that all of us, our minds think thoughts, that's their job. They're gonna do it all day long. So what our job then is to learn what we do with all of these thoughts that keep arising and arising and arising and arising and arising. Because that's not gonna stop generally for most of us. The idea with Thoughts as Mental Events is to give you something to do, make you help you understand the nature of the thought process, and to allow you to have some choice about what you do. One of the common ways within this Thoughts as a Mental Events, there are actually three different scenarios that you can use, and this is really personal preference. There's not one better than another, it's just personal preference. The first one is to pretend in your mind after you've settled into your breath and settled into your body a little bit and dropped into a calmer place, is just imagine that you're sitting in a theater. You're at the playhouse and there's something going on the stage. All kinds of stuff going on in the stage. There's actors and they're coming on the stage, they're leaving the stage, they come, they go, they do their thing and they're gone. If you can just imagine your thoughts are those actors. They come on the stage, they do whatever they do, they play their role, and then they go. 
and then another one pops in. And maybe there's some interaction because we know that our thoughts intertwine with one another and they lead to other thoughts. And so you may observe this process of all of this role playing going on just within your own mind and recognizing that they come and they go, they come and they go. And that if we stay neutral, we stay in the audience and we don't get up on the stage and try to get into the play, that they just simply come and go. We have some choice. You start to recognize we have some choice that I don't have to get up on that stage. I don't have to engage with this. I can just let it play out and observe it, just leave. That's a really excellent way for some people to really tap into this idea. Another one that is my personal favorite is the whole clouds thing. So the imagery of clouds. And this partially, I think, because it takes me back to being a kid, laying on my back in the backyard or out in the field or whatever, watching clouds come and go in the sky in the summertime. That's always the imagery that I have with me. If you can just imagine that in your mind, you have a clear blue sky. And we know that clouds come on to the skyscape and they just drift across and they just go away. They, get, get, they go out of your field of vision. So the idea with this is to treat your thoughts as clouds. So they come on to the skyscape, they drift across, and they go. You can observe the quality of the thoughts. So kind of in the same way that we observe the actors on stage, we're observing the clouds. It's like, oh, this is a really white and fluffy one. It's really cotton ball-y. And then we have this other one that's a little wispier, that might be moving faster or slower, it might be dark, it might be a thundercloud without making up a narrative or a story about the cloud itself. What are you observing? And the process is just to notice them come and then just, if you don't engage with them, if you don't get into the storyline about them, just let them go. Just watch them. You're not even really letting it go. You're just neutrally watching them disappear. And then another one that some people really find to be really relaxing is to imagine that you're sitting on the bank of a stream, which is pretty easy to do here in Western Montana, sitting on the bank of a, of a clear stream, a brook, a creek, whatever you want. And just imagine that you're watching this water just running by, and it's just running through your field of vision and going out of sight. And imagine your thoughts are leaves dropping onto this running water. So the leaf could be red, especially at this time of the year, it's in the fall. It might be green, different shapes, different sizes. You're just observing that dropping onto the river or the stream or the brook and just drifting by, and then eventually it goes out of sight. So you no longer see it. It's that same idea of the observation of here's this thought, in this particular case, as a leaf emerging. It's on our stream of consciousness. It just keeps right on going. And we don't have to jump in the river and pull it out. We don't have to get in and engage with it. We can just watch it go. The practice with all of these things is to really get the sense of the constant coming and going of our thought process and start to build the inner neurological pathways that keep us from necessarily feeling like we have to engage with everything. Because we don't. There's a lot of stuff that's really random. We just don't need to engage in. But we feel like we do many times. It's like, oh, I'm having this thought, so I need to do something with it. Well, what if you don't? What if you can give yourself a, a little mental break from that process? But I would really encourage 
whoever is listening today to try all of these Thoughts as Mental event practices. And you might find that today clouds might be the one and it might be tomorrow or the next day, maybe Thoughts as Actors on a Stage might be the one. But keep in mind that our relationship and our kind of resonance with these different practices can change a little bit from day to day, which is why I think it's really important to have some kind of introduction to all of them so that you have some choice in how you choose to interact with your thoughts. Thank you so much, Kathy, for coming in and talking with us about this really important basic information that we all need to have on a day-to-day basis, what to do with our stinking thinking thoughts, and great practices for us to learn how to maybe perhaps change or just observe 